0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk with faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and today I'm excited to bring you back a uh, repeat guest, Boo Walker. Welcome back to the show, Boo.
1: Thank you, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, we are fortunate enough to live in the same city, we get to hang out regularly, but I haven't seen you in a while, so it's also good that I that we get to catch up here a little bit. Um, and talk about your, your re- latest release. Uh, I've got the cover for Red Mountain Burning Up, so congratulations on um, on that. Thank you. How how was that process
1: uh, for you? It was... Uh, you've caught me at such a good time because, man, this past year has been a whirlwind, and I, I feel like you're going to really have to do your job today and keep me in line because my head is, like, exploding in a million different ways. But it was the third... Book in a trilogy, but it was also the third book I'd written in, in, uh, since *Nink* last year.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and man, it was a doozy. You know, I my hat goes off. I think we've talked about this before to to people in the fantasy world and the thriller world who are able to write, you know, three, four, five, six books in a series or twenty. Mm-hmm. I uh, I just felt like in book one of this series, *Red Mountain*, that I started that I had basically broken every character down to the ground and then made mm-hmm. them fight their way back up. And then I figured out a way to do it a second time, and I was like, I can't do that again. And then yeah. um, I, it, it seems I've just struck a chord with this series, so I just decided to do it one last time. So I had to really dig deep. And and um, not to mention, I think there, I've, I've been introduced to the true uh, feeling of pressure for the first time in the past year because I I signed a deal with Lake Union Publishing, and uh, they – they were really excited about the Red Mountain series and wanted me to write a third book, but they said it needs to be out six months before my book with them comes out, which is August fourth of this year. So you know, I had a deadline of February first. Um, yeah. So I I started this in September and it's coming out in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, all that aside, as much pressure as it was, I I owned it. I mean, the past three books, I just. For one way or another, the the muse has just been sitting on my shoulder, and it's felt so good. And and I swear there were so many times I was sitting at my desk, just pumping my fist in the air, or just like weeping, truly just tears dropping down, because I know I'm tapping into exactly what I need to be writing. Yeah. So I somehow pulled it off and got it to the uh, publisher, December, or my editor, December fourth, and it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I think it's it's uh, one of the best things. I've ever written, and I'm, I, I think I've given these characters a, a really nice ending. And it's pretty fun to uh, write a trilogy. Like, that's the kind of thing that you don't quite think about doing in the literary fiction world or the contemporary fiction world. And so it's been kind of awesome to watch these characters grow and see where they're going. And then, you know, it's so easy to just wrap this one up and start to think about a fourth one. But yeah, that's years, years down the line.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations, I mean, on completion of the series. And uh, obviously the the success of the series has been tremendous, so Yeah, I right. think you, you have very a lot much to, to be to be uh proud of there. Um so yeah, so we talked you mentioned a little bit that you have this new Lake Union deal coming up and um it started out they, they, they wasn't they didn't want Red Mountain necessarily. They were they wanted a new fresh take, right? They wanted right. A, a new book that you because uh, they liked they liked what you've got going on. They obviously saw the success of Red Mountain, said this guy knows what he's doing. Um and now they said, hey, write, write for us. So you were essentially given another blank page, right? You were, this was
1: yeah, something that you yeah. had to
0: start from scratch?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, what an incredible blessing, the notion that you can sell a couple books that you haven't written yet. Yeah. After all the years that I worked so hard to sell books that I'd already written. Yeah. So basically, I submitted two, uh, two different synopses and... um One story had been brewing during the Red Mountain thing, and I was so fired up about it, and then I came up with a second. Actually, there were three different stories I pitched. The second one came pretty easily, too. The third, I was really struggling, and um, it was was my first taste of, like, if you start trying to force things a little bit, Mm. sometimes it doesn't work out, and this was probably last March, I think, and... So, you know, you're just sitting there at your computer going, okay, just write a premise. It's easy. Just write a premise and nothing is coming. And you realize that the harder you push, the less is going to, you know, happen. And so I sat down. um, I was at my um, in laws, my mother in laws condo in Naples, actually. And I sat down just in in exhaustion and just was like, I don't know what I, that I can come up with a third story. This is, it needs to happen in like three days, and this is important. I really want to knock it out of the park with Lake Union, and uh, I just said I give up, and I just sat down and I was just quiet for a minute, and my mother-in-law randomly sits down next to me and tells me this incredible story, and I just chill bumps are firing on my arms, and I'm like, can I have that story? Can I take it and make it my own? Can, you know, and so we spent the next two days talking and going back and forth, and. I just my main message to her was this is my story now if you give it to me I'm going to change the names I'm going to change setting plot character arcs everything but mm-hmm. what she had given me was a gift from that came from outside of like my little my yeah. little world of trying to force a premise mm-hmm. so I presented that and that's what like Union wanted for the second book um but as I as I over the course of the past few months as I was writing Red Mountain Burning um it just started to not quite feel right, which is kind of uh, scary because they'd already kind of gotten excited about it. And mm-hmm. then my wife also, who is a very int- intuitive woman, started to say it doesn't quite feel blue enough, you know. And mm-hmm. so I just put it aside and I was like, I've got to just start fresh. And I just put it on the back burner until I finished R- uh, Red Mountain Burning in December. And then I uh, I sat down to come up with a new one in December and it was – a complete brick wall that I hit it like I've been writing songs and and books for a long time and I've never really had this instance other than when I was trying to come up with that synopsis back in March and uh, man it was really tough a, a long couple weeks of me just going how do I follow up what I just wrote from Blake for Lake Union which is incredible and I'm so proud of it how do I follow that up with something even better because Ooh. that's what we have to do we have to keep improving right. So I started I started really, uh, thinking and, you know, overthinking, essentially, I started thinking, okay, so what are the readers like in Lake Union? What is my competition like out there in the market? What kind of uh protagonist do I need? Can it be a girl? Does it need to be a female? Because most of my readers are female. Can it be a guy? Can it be a 10 year old? Um, everything that a writer can think about, that's probably really boring for people that are not writers to think about, but all that is so secondary to the idea of just letting your creative juices flow. And that's why we're in this game in the first place is yeah, we've all, like, learned how to tap into something bigger than ourselves to create something out of nowhere. You know, all, all your listeners and stuff, we all have this, like, weird right brain thing going on where ideas just come to us. And you're sitting there and your characters and painted into a corner. And then all of a sudden an idea pops up and you're like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Um but I was I had forgotten that. Yeah. And and uh, I, so anyway, um, not to cut you off, Nathan, no but sense. this kind of pertains to your podcast. I guess about whenever you did the uh, interview with uh, Catherine Nicole, Cat, Catherine Nolan last week, am sorry, Catherine Nolan, I told you I was going to get her <laughs> name wrong. Um, I had never really heard of burnout before. I mean, I guess I'd heard of it, but I never really thought of it as a possibility for me. And I just sat down. I was in Miami, and I sat down in my hotel room late at night going to bed, and I just happened to turn on Facebook and saw you guys talking. And it was like this light bulb moment. I was like, oh, my gosh. And something led me into uh, watching your interview with Becca Syme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. right. We probably mentioned it in
0: Catherine's – I think I talked about it in that episode as well, so
1: yeah. Yeah, okay. So So this whole new world came back to me, and it was like I'd been so down in the weeds that I'd I'd completely lost my perspective. And and finally, um, the the last kind of thing that tipped me over the edge was my mentor who was in Texas sent me an email, and she said uh, – the end of her email said something like happiness and creativity or like a butterfly. If you chase it, you'll never catch it. But if you sit still, it'll light upon your shoulder. Mm. And I just, I started crying again. It's, and, and it was like, Oh my gosh, I'm trying way too hard. I'm not having fun. And the pressure's getting to me and what I need to do is own it. Like uh, just own it. And, and I guess that starts with self care and backing away from it and being quiet and just taking care of yourself and reminding yourself that you're not on earth to write books. You're on earth to really to, to love people and to have fun and to be a good human. Mm-hmm. And then ha- that part of having fun, a little side thing is being able to write and being able to come up with these stories. So I've been on like a, a, a 10 day bit of a, um, recovery mode and I feel so good. And the story is coming alive in such a great way. And, um, uh, I'll tell you how that happened, and then I know you wanted to talk about uh, uh, kind of our creative process. Mm -hmm. As this story that uh, my mother-in-law told me, it takes place back in the 70s, let's say. Um, I think I moved it. I can't even remember the original story now. But that kind of was sitting there, and I didn't want to let it go, but I really wanted something contemporary as well. And one of my beta readers mentioned as we were going over Red Mountain Burning, she mentioned that she was going to go up to her backyard and listen to her uh, singing trees. Or her, her sound forest or something like that. I'll have to find the email to share it with readers. But I was, I, I was so intrigued. I was like, what is that? And she explained to me, she lives in Florida. She explained to me that she had been collecting wind chimes since she was a little girl. And that she had just tons of them. Like I imagine like 150, 200 wind chimes. And she goes out on her back deck and just listens to them. And I was just instantly like this is the seed of the story that I'm going to write. And I don't know where, why, or anything. And we started chatting. And she sent me three amazing wind chimes that she had put together. And I have them on my back porch. And I hear them ringing all the time. And anyway, so that was kind of a little seed growing. And in the past few days, it's all come to the surface in just like an eruption of um, ideas. And basically what I've come come into is the story my mother-in-law told me that I've embellished is wonderful, but it's not Boo in that it just – it wasn't completely mine. So what I've decided to do is write a dual timeline story that starts in present day, and there's going to be obviously a woman that collects wind chimes, and she's going to be uh, a really wonderful person. And then there's this male character that's been coming up in my head. And then somehow we're going to revisit the past, and we're going to see how these two timelines intersect. You know, So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't believe – how important it is. And I, that's my whole like struggle is not like a woe is me thing. And the reason I am excited to talk about it is because we need to share that this is possible. This burnout thing is possible. And it was so awesome to see, you know, you've helped me tremendously and to see you guys talking about it. And it's really fun to talk about because, you know, in life in general, it's so easy to have fear and self-doubt. And for me, especially as a writer type you know, you just got to keep spitting out some great stuff and doing better and better. But you got to forget about the pressure and you just got to have fun and you got to reconnect with life and it'll just come to you. It's like it's easy. It, it's easy as long as you just <laughs> relax. It's, easy, it's
0: easy when it's working, right?
1: It's easy when it's working. But there is an answer and that's you have to find balance. You can't sit at your computer and write a wonderful story without getting out into the world and connecting, you know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, because there is a limit to our own imagination and creativity, and like, it's great that you were able to find a source of inspiration from your mother-in-law's story. It's fantastic, because there are so many amazing stories already out there, that we can adapt and change and, and turn into ours, because you know sometimes burnout requires, or just you know refilling the creative well, as we were talking about last week, involves watching movies or of course, reading um, as you know a bit prime one for us as, as readers and as writers. But um, I, I found it fascinating when we were talking that you and I have a completely different way of approaching the blank page, because every writer, when we get up in the morning, we face the same enemy. We all have that blank page in front of us and it needs words on it. And we come to this idea that I need to write a book or I wanna write a book. Sometimes the idea is what drives you to the page in the first place, especially if you're just starting out. You probably have an idea for a book um, already before you sit down. But in your case, you're coming at it backwards. Like I need to have a book. You have, you have external needs, in this case like union saying, we need a book. And without the idea there yet. So I thought that, that, I that's interesting. Um, but yeah. y- your your method of approaching the blank page is very different from mine and possibly from a lot of others. Everyone has th- your, your own way, but yours is to, to approach character first, which I think is interesting that you said, oh, I have this character with these wind chimes, <laughs> and I have <laughs> this other guy who's floating around in my head, and somehow that's going to create a story, which is very, very different from how I put stories together.
1: Um, it's ludicrous in a way because... Isn't it the story that matters the most?
0: It, but it, this yeah. is also a genre where character is king. You know, you're writing yeah. literary fiction where people, where the readers expect, um, so, you know, beauty in the prose. They expect beauty in the characters, They want to really connect with these characters. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like when you read literary fiction, like the other competitors in your genre and stuff, what are some of the things that you definitely have to bring to this that your readers demand?
1: Yeah, well, literary fiction is such a um, Strange phrase, term, because if you ask my mentor, Leela Meacham, who is uh, has been writing for, you know, 40 or 50 years or something. Literary fiction is the kind of fiction that they will study in college in 50 years or something. Um, but I think literary and contemporary have somehow kind of merged now. And for me, the basic idea is, you know, coming from the thriller world there's you you take away guns but you still have to create a page turner and how do you do that you have to f- tap into readers emotions and so what what I did with Red Mountain is I um, I found my audience through book clubs and what book clubs like is the, the a kind of story that rips your heart apart and then puts it back together and by the time you put it down at the end you're changed in a way, and you're a better person, and you feel better. So it's I'm going to make you laugh and cry over and over and over as much as I possibly can, and I can't use guns to do that. I can kill people, but right. I, you know, I can't have any chase scenes necessarily. And that's what Lake Union is, is they basically have positioned themselves as we publish books that are book club um, book club books that basically take characters that are struggling through this dysfunctional world and figuring out how they break out of their – chains you know it's really yeah. fun to write but I tell you it's it is a uh, it's an emotional experience
0: and there has to be some balance there too because I know my, my wife listens to a lot of these types of book club books on, in audio and she's sometimes laments the fact that it's like wow these people's lives are just so hard they're going through struggling through all this abuse of relationships and all these other things that occur in these stories where these people are getting battered down and getting their lives torn apart before they can get put back together but it's a some of it's a kind of a downer so I'm sure you have to kind of find a balance of like how dark do you go
1: yeah um, and i think the readers get to know how dark they want to go i don't want to go i don't want to explore some some things that can happen to people that are just make me really sad and and specifically i have a six-year-old you and i both have children now yeah. i used to love like harlan coben books and and kidnapping kind of stuff now i won't touch anything that has to do with a child being in danger in any any way not even on t- tv yeah. you know.
0: Interesting. Um, Alan Janney's watching. He says, um, he has a few comments. Boo is the coolest drinking from a jar, apparently. Um, Alan also says, everyone should read. I love read... Alan. Yeah, we all love Alan. Who doesn't really? Let's be honest. Um, he's written 20 books. It's everyone, impressive. Alan says, everyone should read the Red Mountain series because Boo's house is easily the most magical place I've ever been. That's right. I've been to his house. Someone invited me by, by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he does. In there. He he's, he's he's snuck, snuck in Alan. somehow. Um, Alan asks, I'm curious how much Boo enjoys or dislikes working with an editor who can force changes.
1: I am, uh, that's a great question. I kind of, I've always been of the mindset that I welcome help. And and maybe that used to be because I used to write songs in Nashville with another guy named Scott Simantaki, and um, I loved having the help. And mm-hmm. I just felt like it always... Where I came up short with a line, he was right there. And so in my self-published stuff, I've always worked with editors and with the past few with beta readers who, um, you know, if you can get the right beta reading team, they can just tear you apart. And I want to be torn apart. I want to know every single weakness there is. And with Red Mountain Burning in particular, um, I th- that was self-published. Um, but I have a great beta reading team and they were kind enough to read my really early drafts. And I said, Hey, you guys, I'm not looking for you to be my mom and tell me that this is really good writing. I want you to tell me everything that makes this suck and I'm going to fix it all in the next three and a half months and let's do it together. And, and uh, I just think maybe there's an art to knowing uh, when somebody's right and when somebody's wrong, or if you agree with them. I mean, there were certain, Things that beta readers say, or my editor with Lake Union would say, where in my gut I'm like, "That's gonna rip the soul out of this book. I'm not doing it. You know, yeah. I'd rather not sell than for me to compromise the integrity of what I'm trying, the story I'm trying to tell." Yeah. Uh, so with Lake Union, it was a it was a pretty intense process. My editor was was really awesome, and I had two weeks. I submitted it in August, and I had two weeks, and she, uh, well, she she took two weeks, came back with uh three months worth of work and I had two weeks to do it and it was insane but it was all amazing stuff and I just think ultimately that she just made it so much better you
0: know that, that's fantastic yeah I've had similar experiences I think it's a, a skill to have to develop a thick skin on purpose and actually willingly take the criticism be able to accept constructive criticism uh, on purposes um it's a it's an important skill to have. And I can't remember who the author was that said it, but I think it was pretty uh, apt, which was that when beta readers tell you something's wrong, they're right. When they tell you how to fix it, they're probably wrong. So <laughs> you have to be the author. You are the writer. You decide what the fix is, how to change it. Because, But listen, when there's something not working... It's you have to, to pay attention to that, and that's why it's good to have a team, you know. Because if I get one person saying something, I'm like, mm, okay, maybe, but if two or three people say the same thing, I'm like, mm, okay, all right, I'm,
1: I'm yeah, I, I totally agree. Matter of fact, uh, read the first Red Mountain that I wrote, um, which was my break into leaving thrillers and into this contemporary fiction. I did not have a beta reading team, and I had a kind of an editor that was, um, more just she wasn't perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don 't i, I can 't even remember her name it was such a long time ago and by no no fault of hers um, there were two mistakes that I potentially made, and I think a lot of that has come from reading reviews and reading fan mail over the past four years and one was pretty crucial and I think if i 'd had a beta reading team or a proper editor uh, that I was paying good money to she, she would have called me and, and one was ending on a cliffhanger and mm-hmm my attitude was I was being this kind of artist and this is how I have to do it. And this is what's speaking to me. Um, and the Sopranos do it. So why can't I do it? But mm-hmm. readers just really tore me apart. And you know, as we, as writers, we'd like to have, uh, four stars on Amazon. Cause it just helps sell and spread, spread the book. And I'm right there at 4.0. And if you read through my reviews of red mountain, there's two complaints. And the number one is the ending
0: yeah,
1: has been, um, Essentially has gone away now that there's a sequel and a you know a, a third book in the series now that it's not as much of an issue, but I could have caught that, and mm-hmm. it might have really garnered me uh, more readers. The other thing is um which I still hear to this day is there might be a little bit too much sex and mm-hmm. you know who yeah, it knows where that all came from, but I still have sex probably in all my books, but in this particular case, there might have been a little bit more than uh, was needed and you know for my audience at least and maybe just deleting a couple of those would have been good but oh well you learn and and uh it's so nice to have a team now and so the, the, the my short answer to alan's question is uh i i love having eyes all over me telling me and helping me because i just can't do it on my own you can make a better book with a team i, I for me at least mm-hmm. i don't have the incredible brain that Alan does though
0: and uh it's it's not possible necessarily to understand a genre as completely as one individual um, when you have a lot of other people who read in that genre constantly, who could, you know, kind of help share their expectations with you. And because I think it is important that you know, in this case, with literary fiction, book club fiction, they probably don't want cliffhangers. It's probably not a thing that that they're into. So right. knowing that going in, you know, helps solve some problems. But that is. Cause it's a genre thing. That's it's very genre specific, where you you have to understand your audience completely, you know, going in, and I, um, it's a struggle all of us have. I'm I'm over here trying to create new genres, you know, on the fly. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you how well that's working. So um, well, it'll
1: be remembered long after you're but gone. But it's
0: fun, yeah. But I'm having a blast, blast doing it. But um, so I want to talk a little bit more about this character creation um, concept of like you you starting with character and. What is it that makes a compelling character for you that that's good enough to stick with, or how do you know when you reach the point where you're saying, okay, here's here's the the protagonist? Have you ever shifted protagonists? I mean, because it seems like you you have started with characters sometimes you may not know whose story it is if you don't know what the story is yet you only have the characters like how do you figure out whose story it is?
1: Yeah, that's true. Well, so I, I have a couple things to say about that. So. One, um, there's a another. Uh, there's a woman who writes for Lake Union named Barbara uh, O'Neill, and she has a book right now called When We Believed in Mermaids. And I've been fortunate enough to kind of go back and forth with her, and she brought a brought up a good point a while ago and that a because uh, I I like I want one method. I want like you come up with a premise, you take it to Scrivener, then you move it to Microsoft Word, and then you read it out loud, and you send it to the editor, and boom. But her point was every book is like a child and everyone needs a different strategy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with with this, with my first Lake Union book, I, I made a mistake and I had to go back and clean it up, which was I had this incredible premise that uh, I knew was just perfect. And, and uh I had one amazing character that was so alive in my mind, I would like just crack up every time I'm in his point of view. But then I would switch to the female character, and it was a little bit more of a slog the first draft, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's because I just didn't get to know her. And and my agent and editor both were like, "I'm not feeling her yet." And and you know, they might have said something like, "Where did she go to high school? Who was her father?" And I was like, "Uh, I don't know." And then, and then I realized, for me, I don't want to tackle another book without knowing my characters really well. And forgive me, I'm going to turn around for a sec because I want to see yeah. this book for me. Oh, um, Story Genius. Okay. I don't know if you've read that by uh, Lisa Cron. Not yet. No. So uh, as I was kind of thinking this mindset, she brings up – it's a great book, and it's – a bit different than what I've been. I've been studying Libby Hawker's book like way too much, and I told her she's like completely destroyed my right brain. to Figure out how to have an external goal and an internal goal. I think it's yeah. all her fault that my, my writer's book. Um, but in in uh, Lisa Kron's book, she she talks about how if you uh, if you come up with a character, you, what. What you do is you you create the plot based on what is their biggest fear. Mm-hmm. How can you crush them the worst? Yeah. So if you know your character super well, you can come up with a plot that will just devastate them. Yeah. And then you've got it all figured out. So you I'm already have your
0: dark man of the soul because you know, like you, yeah, you've
1: yeah. You've built story so based so on for it. me this. Yeah. um the last piece of this puzzle of this new book that's happening for me right now is I've been very fascinated about this concept of the billionaire's dilemma for a long time, and I've been talking about it with a colleague uh in my uh at the winery that i've worked for what for is a long that
0: time. what is the billionaire's dilemma
1: billionaire's dilemma I think it was like a mentioned in a um vanity Fair a long time ago that my my buddy christoph hedges mentioned and the i that the concept is when you're a billionaire, you have everything you ever wanted. It's there's never enough. Like you know, if you have 150 guitars, you need 250. And if you have uh, if you've gotten two appetizers and a and an entree, why not get dessert and why not get three more drinks? And you can just buy your way through everything. But ultimately, you're kind of struggling because there's an end to it. Like Leo DiCaprio, for example, probably has an Alexa in every room, and he probably has the largest. TV that there ever was, and his kitchen's probably better, but still there's something missing. And I love that idea with the billionaire's dilemma. So I started, I ran into a, a, a friend who had just retired, and in a moment's notice, the, his uh, his retirement part, the the, the uh, I kind of look at it like this: the candles in his uh, cake at his retirement party were more like nails in a coffin. Ooh. And he woke up the next day and was looking at his phone like nobody's calling me. There's no emails. I have nothing to do, and all of a sudden, there's like no purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And it's a really scary thing that happens to retired retired uh, people all the time. Yeah, but I started thinking, well, I want to explore someone my age who maybe has sold a company that they've worked on for 20 years. Yeah, and it's all they've known. They haven't had friends, or really haven't nourished friendships and relationships. They've just worked so hard, and all of a sudden, they wake up one day and they're completely suicidal. And this character is really coming alive in my head. He's not going to be suicidal. I don't want to go that dark, but um he's just in a really down place and I uh what hit me yesterday is he is going to go to w- where I went one time when I was really struggling when I was 17 and it was to grandma's house. Hmm. My grandma was like a, a a a big inspiration for me. She had a player piano and was like great at playing songs and stuff and I just have these great memories of her, and I went to her one time when I was really struggling, and she helped me out of it. So I was like, I'm going to send him to her, and somehow she is going to tell him about this story that happened back in the old days. And at some point, he's going to walk into the forest, and he's going to hear wind chimes from a neighbor. And he's going to walk over and meet this lady who has wind chimes. Okay. So that is exactly where the creative process is now. It's like completely all over the place um and i don't know what's going to happen but i i uh i have renewed trust that it is going to happen you know and that's all oh, yeah. you can have is put up faith
0: cuz you've got a lot of elements obviously some romance um as a key thread there sounds like is this yeah, a totally. love interest you know, I, wind chimes or
1: no uh, yeah exactly okay. exactly so so my my thinking at this point is this guy who has everything can't get the one thing that he wants which is this woman that he meets and uh there will there will be that thread where he's going to learn how to have fun again, maybe through her, and how to connect in a deeper way. And uh, by the end, I assume they might have some connection. We'll see. I don't want to make any promises. Yeah. Well, so at the same time, we maybe explore what happened, what's happening with the grandmother, and I imagine that story that took place in the seventies um, is going to teach him a lesson. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's fun. And can- and then my last little piece to this. Um, was, for some reason, I I, I guess we met. I, I met Lucy Score this year, and she was writing these billionaire books, mm-hmm. and I really fascinated by the concept. And it's a real thing. It's all over Amazon, and you know it's very popular. So I was like, how could I? I don't want to make this guy a billionaire because I'm I'm I can't even understand that concept. But what if he sells his company for two hundred uh, two hundred billion or a hundred million dollars? And so I'm going to, as part of the next little, uh, the next month or so, as I read some dual timeline books, I'm also going to check out some of these billionaire romance books and just yeah. see if I can, like, steal some of the tropes and, like, kind of yeah. give a little nod to the idea, you know? So Lucy sent me one of her books on audio that I'm looking forward to listening to. So totally as you can exciting. see, it's a very uh, jumbled process that I have yeah. no idea how I'm going to get to uh, the end in uh, August 4th.
0: No, it sounds like fun. It sounds like you know you're just mining these different characters for their you know wants and fears and desires and yeah and throw, mix mixing a whole bunch of money and romance. I mean, it's, it's that's, yeah, that's, that's
1: what people want. And and I, I think I realized um, even when I was like consuming thrillers like crazy, like Nelson the Mill and stuff, I love uh, I like just having a love story in the end. You know, I don't want it to be are they going to get together? The plot. But I want I always want to know if they're gonna to get together in a story. I mean, that's the kind of books I love to read, be it Nelson DeMille and Stuart Woods and some of those guys or or you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. know, it's always a curiosity. Sometimes yeah. um sometimes movies that end on kind of an ambiguous ending, like, are they together or are they not together at the end? Like it just drives you crazy. Because yeah. you're like, Well, is this a relationship? Is this platonic? What happened here? And a lot of um a lot of thrillers and things like that, like where there'll be a f- female male relationship, but they won't ever kiss at the end, right? There's not, this doesn't like happen. And you're like, well, what's next here? Like, is this a, you know, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, that, I think that upsets people. Yeah, yeah. It's just, we want, we want some closure.
1: But maybe you need some of those people doing that so you can't, you're not always reading it knowing that they're going to get together. Like, maybe sure. I need to have, a point where there is a bad scenario. And I do that a little bit in Red Mountain. Like one of the guys doesn't get what he wants. Yeah. Have you read you know, Romancing the Beat? No.
0: Okay. So it's a great book on uh, romance structure. Uh, and just, it's a, it's short. It's a little, it's a little book, but fantastic. Um, and I know all the, I've, I've interviewed several romance writers who swear by it as well. Um, I can't remember the author's name right now, but I may have a copy I, later. I'll look for it afterwards. Yeah, for sure. But, um, um, i know we've we 've gotten to our half hour already, but uh this is this is a lot of fun. I always enjoy talking craft with you and uh, just getting to hang out in general so um I really appreciate, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today
1: yeah totally it 's been awesome and i really I, I, i'm from all of us who watch your show thank you because truly like last week or whenever this was two weeks ago, it was really nice to stumble upon your interview and it really helped me in a place where with time when I needed helping, you know.
0: That's fantastic to hear and we'll pass that on to Catherine too, who is also a billionaire romance uh, writer. She yes, she's one of one of the, one of the quartet. Like,
1: yeah. Which is like one of those nice little things when you're like, oh, maybe I'm doing something right because there's all these little whispers of hey, there's something bigger than you out there and it's happening around you, you know. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can maybe
0: try to get Pippa on the show too. She's the fourth one who I have I have yet to interview Pippa, but she's the other one in the Lucy score. Kath, yeah, uh, yeah, the whole the whole crew there, all of them uh, have so much fun together that it, it looks just like a blast. So
1: yeah, they seem like really good people.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, for people who are interested in your Red Mountain uh, series, where's the best place for them to to find it?
1: Uh, my website or Amazon. It'll be um, February first, print and uh, ebook, and then I've got a guy redoing my entire Red Mountain series on audio right now. So I'm hoping that that'll be only a month. Nice. behind or, nice. or, or something. But I'm I'm really excited about this this new fellow. I feel really lucky to have found him.
0: That's exciting. And your stuff's in Kindle Unlimited?
1: Yeah, it's in KU. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, please Great please task. uh please everybody check it out. This this third one is, is was really fun and I just I like was able to latch onto that idea that as much as I'm writing for the readers, I am writing for me too and Ooh. I'm just gonna do what I want to do and I'm gonna have damn fun doing it.
0: My mom is watching the show. She says, I read the first book in the series. Love the setting. It was a compelling story.
1: Cool. So. Thanks, Mom.
0: <laughs> yeah, that and yeah, the vineyard setting is, is super cool. We we grew up in Napa Valley, so we have a uh love for the vineyard settings. So
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it comes up with endless ideas, it just shoots ideas at you.
0: Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, you, I said thank you so much for, for taking time to be on the show and for talking craft and, and sharing a little bit about your, your story. I hope to have you again on the show uh, sometime again soon in the future. I would love to have you back.
1: Definitely. Thank you, Nathan.
0: All right. So long, everybody. Have a great week. See, see you for uh, next episode.